Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. We've got a fantastic show lined up for you. In our next segment, it's the Sports Business Radio Headlines of the Week. NFL football. Good. Looks like the lockout's over, everyone. We may have a lot of business to do in the next few weeks. We'll get to that in segment two. In segment three, Christine Brennan. From USA Today, she also does work for ABC News and NPR, terrific columnist for USA Today. She had my dream week last week. She got to go back and forth between Women's World Cup and the British Open. We'll check in with her on both of those events, big stories this week. Then in segment four, one of my favorite people to listen to, Rich Eisen from the NFL Network. He's got a fantastic podcast. Obviously, he's one of the faces of the NFL Network. We'll catch up with Rich Eisen in segment four. couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog. Download the SBR podcast on demand, sportsbusinessradio.com. We're on Facebook and we're on Twitter. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com to get those icons. My Twitter handle is at SB. Radio, joined in studio by Brian Griggs. Griggs, Tiger Woods and his caddy part ways. Were you surprised? Not really, because uh, this whole Tiger thing just continues to be more of a train wreck, and now it's like he's trying to find other ways to make things happen, to get different, a uh, different approach, a different vibe. I don't think I saw it coming, kind of, but it's like, come on, Tiger. I've got some unique insight into the world, into the inner circle of Tiger Woods, and I'll bring you that in headlines coming up next. I'm Brian Berger, and you're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages, and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Headline number one. As of this taping, it looks like the longest work stoppage in the history of the NFL may soon be coming to an end. They're trying to uh, get things wrapped up. And Griggs, once the green light gets turned on and we can start seeing business as usual in the NFL, remember there's going to be maybe a three-day period where uh, everyone has to read through all the new materials and become familiar with the new CBA because there's going to be some new rules in place. But after that period... It's going to be crazy. It's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before. It's basically going to be like giving some of these GMs a credit card that has $20 million on it. They've got to spend it in a 10-day period. Remember, rookies that were drafted haven't been signed yet. Uh, We've got free agents that are unsigned. Trades haven't been made. And all of this is going to take place in about a 10-day period. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch, and it is going to be crazy. And don't forget, these players haven't seen playbooks yet. The rookies coming in, I mean, they haven't been able to meet and play as a team uh, with coaches and all that. That's going to be an interesting side of it, too, because it's going to be, I mean, we're less than a month away from preseason. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch because all of the off-season action is going to be condensed into about a 10-day to two-week period. But uh, good for the NFL. And I'll say this. DeMora Smith, I thought, was masterful, the union leader. If he didn't decertify the union, this thing would have been over long ago. And I think the players would have had to really uh, bend and do whatever the owners wanted. But because he decertified, that was a nuclear option. It took things into a courtroom where judges have not been so kind to the NFL. And it got the players back to level playing fields. And I think at the end of this, if you look back and you have to give out a scorecard, I'm declaring the NFL players the winner on this one. The $1 billion taken off the table that the owners wanted. The 18-game season didn't happen. Several key things that the owners wanted, they had to give concessions on at the end of this because DeMora Smith took this to the litigation route and really, uh, that was not the way the owners wanted to go on this. Yeah, and I think you're right on that. I think the players definitely have the victory on this one. And good thing. I mean, this is great. We need this season. I think uh, you know the media needs it. The fans need it. Everybody needs it because NFL, it, run, it runs the sports world. you got to have it. It's a $9 billion industry. They're going to redo their TV deal in a few years. It's a juggernaut. They're going to make billions of dollars. Good for them for figuring it out. And unlike the NBA, the NFL sides met regularly There was never a big lull where they weren't meeting throughout. So they really tried hard to get this done, and looks like they're going to get it done. The NBA, they're not meeting at all, and who knows when that lockout may come to an end. Our next headline, Japan wins the Women's World Cup at 8.6 rating for ESPN. Highest rating ever for soccer on ESPN, men's or women's. Really compelling game, Griggs. Comes down to penalty kicks. And Japan wins 3-1. to one. And, you know, obviously we're here in the United States. It'd be great to see the old U.S. of A. bring it home. But what a great story for Japan with the earthquake and the tsunami. And some of these players haven't had places to practice. And they didn't know what their team was going to look like. What an emotional victory 
and a much needed victory for that country. Yeah, I was obviously rooting for USA, but on the other side of it, yeah, Japan, you got to be happy for them. What a, an awesome game. I mean, you couldn't bet for a better World Cup game. Penalty kicks and the comebacks, and it was so exciting to watch. It was All the USA games were crazy. I mean, they all went down to some crazy play in the end or penalty kicks, or and I think that was the advantage just because Japan got to see on tape how USA did their penalty kicks, and I think that really helped them in the end there. And we will talk to Christine Brennan in our next segment. She was there. And talk about Hope Solo. I mean, she's on the cover of Sports Illustrated this week. I think she is marketable. She's attractive. She's very well-spoken. She's not afraid to express an opinion and be candid. I think the sky is the limit for her. Our next headline, another shocker in the world of sports last week. And Darren Clark, 42 years old, wins the British Open. It's his first major and he cleaned up $1.4 million for the prize money, $3.2 million from Dunlop Clothing. So he brings home $4.6 million for that victory. And here's an interesting note. Chubby Chandler is Clark's agent. Chubby Chandler has four of the last five Grand Slam major winners in golf. We're seeing a foreign domination on the tour. Now, Dustin Johnson played well. Phil Mickelson played well in the British Open. But as far as the people standing in the winner's circle at the end of majors in the last two years, it's Europeans. Yeah, and Clark did such a great close that last day. I mean, he just took it and ran with it. I mean, he and Mickelson tried to come back out at the end, but I mean, he just had a great final round and he was just clicking. And he's fun to watch because he loves, I like his last putt when he put it in. He's went down to reach the ball and he's like, he kind of looked back up at the crowd like he knew he won it. He was proud of it. And that was cool to see. Well, his wife, Heather, died of breast cancer in 2006. That was very traumatic for him, and good for him. Darren Clark is a well-respected guy on the tour. The other interesting note, in the last 13 months, three players from Northern Ireland, which has a population the equivalent of Columbus, Ohio, have won golf majors. Graham McDowell, Rory McIlroy, and now Darren Clark. Northern Ireland, like Rory McIlroy tweeted out this week, is the golf capital of the world. Our last headline... Tiger Woods fires his longtime caddy, Steve Williams. They were together for 12 years, won 13 majors together. And the thing that's interesting to me about Tiger's life, everyone in his inner circle has basically been removed since his drama of a few years ago, except for his agent, Mark Steinberg, who left IMG and took Tiger with him, and Glenn Greenspan, his publicist, who, you know, I've said many times on this show, uh, may have done the worst job handling a PR crisis of any person I've ever seen in my life. And it's no coincidence to me, as I tweeted out this week at SB Radio, that these guys are both his biggest enablers, Steinberg and Greenspan. So he's removed anyone from his life that may question him on a decision or take him to task on something. And I don't think that's a good sign for Tiger going forward. It's kind of like he wants to show everybody, hey, I'm starting over, but not really. You know, he's, he's getting rid of people, trying to make the change, but then he's keeping the people, like you say, there and enabling him and, and making him look bad sometimes. And you have to wonder, is Tiger ever going to win another tournament? Um, is he going to be marketable in the future? We know that Nike's cut their deal back with him. We know Accenture and Gillette and other companies have dropped him altogether. Coming up next, Christine Brennan from USA Today. She was at Women's World Cup and the British Open. We'll talk to her. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. Something cool went down as I was walking with a friend of mine. And I still remember how she was smelling. 
Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Right now, I'm joined on the phone by one of my favorite people and one of my favorite journalists in the entire world, Christine Brennan, columnist for USA Today. She's done work for ABC News, NPR, and uh, she's at Twitter, uh, at C. Brennan Sports. Christine, how are you? Brian, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You had my dream week last week. You went back and forth in Europe between Women's World Cup and the British Open. How exciting was that? It, I, was, I feel so fortunate, you know, all the time to do what I get to do. And especially last week, I was over there for the end of Wimbledon, took a week vacation, and I thought I was going to be staying put in the U.K., uh, I got back to London from the vacation with friends and family, and I watched the U.S.-Brazil game in my London hotel room, <laughs> and I immediately emailed my editors at USA Today saying, I think I've got to get to that game on Wednesday uh, with the, you know, the U.S. against France, the semifinal, and, and that's what I did. And it was a lot of trains. I won't say trains, planes, and automobiles. <laughs> it really wasn't planes. or There were some taxi cabs involved. But it was a lot of travel. A World Cup always is. But it was well worth it to see the team. I've known them for quite some time. I know Abby very well and Christy Rampone and Pia Suntanga, the coach. So great to see them and to see them get such uh, you know, excellent recognition uh, during this run, uh, obviously, that, of course, ended with disappointment. But, but uh, what a terrific story they were. Yeah. What do you think their performance means to continuing to grow the game of soccer in the United States and, and promote uh, girls sports. I have a daughter, six and a half, and you know I see them as role models for her. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. And you know I think it's soccer, but I also think it's more than soccer. And it's different from 1999. I'm sure all of your listeners remember Brandy Chastain, Mia Hamm, you know, winning the the uh, World Cup in uh, the last time the U.S. has now has won it, as it turns out, in the Rose Bowl. Forty million viewers on TV in the United States. Packed to capacity, the Rose Bowl, all those other stadiums during that three-week run. It was really kind of an awakening of what Title IX had created in our country. And they made the cover of Time, Newsweek, People, and Sports Illustrated that week in 99. No story, Brian, has ever done that, any story, ever. Time, Newsweek, SI, and People, because of the variety of those magazines. So, huge. Um, This was different. This is kind of coming off the heels of that. These are the, the 99ers are the role models for Abby and Christy Rampone was the only one who was on the 99 team and then captain of the 11 team. And uh, this was different because I think it was much more about sports. I think the drama, the athletic achievement, the awe-inspiring moment of the great Ram- uh, Rapino cross to uh, Wombach's head and the lightning bolt goal at the end of that Brazil game, uh, almost over. They're almost eliminated, and then they're not. 
I think it was sports that riveted the nation this time, and that's a huge step forward for women's sports, that you could have, you know, macho guys with a beer in one hand and Doritos in the other who all of a sudden just were falling for this team because of the sports. I, I think that's a great step. And with the Olympics a year away, they get to play again if they qualify. I think there's a real opportunity here to grow the women's side of the game in the next year because of this back-to-back World Cup Olympic game. We've seen the success that has led to broadcasting opportunities for Brandy Chastain and Mia Hamm and Julie Foudy. I've got to tell you, Christine, when I sit and watch Hope Solo do interviews, I think she's as candid and well-spoken as any athlete I've ever listened to. And I think the sky's the limit for her on and off the field. Do you agree? I, I do. absolutely do. And, and I don't know if you've heard the news. I put this on Twitter. I, others have, too. But Hope Solo is on the cover of Sports Illustrated which is a, a great thing for her, and I think it's great and, 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 and you know, a, good, a good way to, fit it, to have SI deal with the tournament. But a little surprising for me, I think it shows just the drama, the interest of Americans, uh, the 8.6 rating on ESPN, the highest rated soccer game men's or women's ever on ESPN. Uh, and it was really a crossover. People who don't watch soccer were watching that game. So here's Hope Solo now on the cover of SI, and Brian, your point is right on. I think... I think, and her agents, uh, I ran into one of them actually at the British Open, and uh, he, he was, we were chatting, and they're getting phone calls off the, you know, just phone ringing off the hook. And for, you know, Abby, I think we'll get a fair amount too, uh, but Hope, Hope is, um, you know, that name, <laughs> the goalie, the, so much of it being a team sport, but then this individual stands out as well as Abby did. But I think with Abby, she's been out there quite a while. Hope is a surprise, you know, kind of new to a lot of people, those of us who've covered it know about 2007, know about the Olympics. But I think this is a huge breakout moment for her. And, um, and I agree. I think, I think she's going to do very, very well. And I think it's great to see another woman athlete getting those kinds of opportunities. Well, and the thing I like about her is so many times from athletes, male or female, we just hear the same canned response. And she's not afraid to tell you what she thinks and to have an opinion. And I find that very refreshing. Yeah, I, I just watched uh, she and Alex Morgan uh, the youngest player on the team who scored that first goal in the final uh, against Japan on uh, ESPN Sports Center with Chris McKendry, who does a great job, and I've known Chris for a million years, and, and to watch those two, and uh, automatically Hope said, I'm watching the replays and I'm disappointed all over again. You know, she starts out the interview that way, and then, and then there's laughing and joking and some very serious stuff, and they're dealing with the question of did they choke? And I love the fact that, you know, Hope said, yeah, there seem to be a lot of experts out there who know about soccer now, Saying we choked, and, and then of course she said we did not choke, um, and I, I she's she's it's it's very candid, and you know I think a lot of people remember, and if they don't, go back and check it out online. But 2007, she spoke out very dramatically, and controversially uh, after she was benched uh, at, at the uh, 07 World Cup in um, in China. I was covering that as well, and she uh, was upset she was benched and said I would have done a better job than Brianna Scurry, who was the one that that played in her place. The U.S. lost the game. Uh, it was four, four, one, four, nothing. It was a, four goals were scored by Brazil. The U.S. lost, and um, and it, they were out of the. You know, then they went to the third place game. But she was candid then, and then ostracized and had to fly home on her own plane away from the team. I thought that was way over the top by the U.S. team on that one. But uh, boy, has she come back? You know, uh, flying home alone and ostracized by the team for her uh, comments. Four years ago, now the cover of SI. So she's definitely on an upward curve here. <laughs> We're joined by Christine Brennan. She's a terrific columnist for USA Today. Follow her on Twitter, at C. Brennan Sports. Also author of one of my favorite books, Best Seat in the House, A Father, A Daughter, A Journey Through Sports. Christine, bigger Cinderella story. 
Japanese Women's World Cup team or Darren Clark? <laughs> I knew you were going to go there with that. I, I'll tell you what, what a feel-good story Darren Clark is. And um, oh, his press conference and his, his kindness and his demeanor. And, of course, he lost his wife to can- breast cancer. And then his relationship with Phil Mickelson and Amy Mickelson, who's, who's beat breast cancer. I mean, the stories there, are, are, by, that alone for the weekend, Brian, would have been enough. Um, but I think you've got to go with Japan. The U.S. Uh, had never lost to Japan, 25 games. Um, there have been three ties and 22 victories by the U.S. Japan had never made, of course, the World Cup final. Uh, never made the World Cup semis, I don't believe. Now, there have only been World Cups since 1991. But, um, and then, of course, what happened four months ago in Japan, the tsunami, the earthquake, just the devastation there. Uh, for Japan to rise up with that relentless style of play, uh, you know, as much as I'm sure any of you, all of your listeners, I know all of us who watched, even as journalists, you know, you're, you're obviously looking at it from the U.S. point of view. Flip around for a second and look at it from the Japanese point of view. This was miracle on ice for them, a miracle on grass, I put in one of my columns. You know, this was extraordinary what they did. This is one of the most amazing upsets really in sports, I think we have to say, not just soccer, not just women's sports. So good for Japan. They deserved it. They played better when it mattered most. The U.S. squandered their chances. The U.S. should have been up 3 or 4 nothing or whatever at the beginning of the game in the first 20 minutes. They weren't. That's not how you play the game. And the Japanese just hung in there. And so I, I have to go with Japan for the, over the weekend for just being the just stunning success for the Japanese women's soccer team. Now, I see in Japan there's not a ton of young ladies who participate and play soccer. Do you think that's, this has got to grow the participation for soccer in their country, you would think? And that's why, Brian, great point, that's why this conversation about women's sports is always about more than just winning or losing. And I know uh, if people read my column yesterday, you see I'm talking very candidly about the U.S. blowing it in the penalty kicks and those kinds of things. But I also talk about there's winning even while you lose. And uh, I know there are columnists out there who've just said, oh, come on, this is ridiculous. It's all about losing and it's, it's a choke or whatever people want to say. But the point that, that you just made is the reason why women's sports still, maybe, 50, maybe when your daughter is, you know, in, her, in middle age, 50 years from now, maybe then the conversation will be different. I hope it is. I hope it's just about sports. But women's sports is always part Johnny Appleseed, always part P.T. Barnum, still, because Title IX in the United States is only 39 years old, the law that Richard Nixon signed that changed the playing fields of America. Japan doesn't have a Title IX. England doesn't have a Title IX. Uh, Scandinavian countries have been all about equality for years, so they, they're great on it. Uh, Germany's pretty good, but most countries aren't. So we've been so lucky, women in the United States, to have that great law. And uh, but in Japan, you know, they don't they don't have that. Now they do love women's sports, women's golf, women's figure skating. I mean, that that goes without saying. So that's terrific on that end. But to think there's what maybe 25,000 women playing. I don't even know the numbers. I've seen that number. I don't know what's right or wrong about Japanese soccer participation. There's probably a million women and girls in the United States playing soccer. Uh, and so to what they did then is terrific. And this is why people like Abby Wambach talk about this and Hope Solo and years ago, Julie Foudy, Brandy Chastain, Mia Hamm, that even when the U.S. loses, there is something to be gained because other parts of the world are now beating the United States and now winning. And um, we saw that, absolutely. So you're right. You're right on, and hopefully this will grow the game in Asia and places around the world where women are seen as second-class citizens, not so much Asia, but other places 
Brazil doesn't even do anything really for its women's national team, which is just so disappointing and, and such a, a sports tragedy, really. Let's hope Brazil gets with the plan for its women's team, which could be winning all these World Cups if they had any kind of financial support. And that's why I think even though the U.S. loses the game of soccer worldwide, women's soccer and women's sports definitely wins. Christine, I wish we had more time, but that's all the time we have. Christine Brennan, USA Today. Follow her on Twitter, at Sports. Also, you can see her, uh, usatoday.com. Christine, thank you. It's always great to catch up with you. Ryan, great to talk to you. Thanks. It was my pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Rich Eisen from the NFL Network. Rich, thanks so much for joining me. You bet. My pleasure. So you're on Twitter, at Rich Eisen, and I love your podcast. We kind of connected a week before last. The Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast that you did, how did that come about? Well, um, I've uh, been fortunate to be part of this um, sort of behind-the-scenes roundtable uh, of, of um, I guess, a uh, select group of guys who who sees some of the um, uh, episodes before they air in order to, um, I guess, they, they get some folks together that they trust their points of view, and uh, and and essentially uh, show the episodes because they're so they're so ad libbed. They want somebody who has no co- concept of the episode, nothing to do with the creative process, to come in and see if you can follow the narrative and uh through uh, one of the executive producers with whom I'm friendly uh or I consider him a, a good friend um he he invited me in and I've been in, I've been doing that for the last 3 years and when the lockout hit I just began to think to myself what what can I do with my podcast to um you know not only move it forward and grow it but also provide um uh, uh, the website of the NFL.com website and also NFL Network with with some programming that that possibly could break through the lockout and perhaps give fans a reason to understand 
that uh, just because the, the NFL is locked out, the NFL Network and NFL Media and NFL.com will continue to put uh, compelling uh, programming that's new and interesting and innovative on the air. And uh, my bosses said, go for it. I've made some phone calls, and lo and behold, Larry David and Jeff Garland, J.B. Smoove, and Bob Einstein came down to the studio. We had a great chat, put it on uh, TV and also on iTunes. And, um, you know, it, it, the, the response has been tremendous. Yeah, it sounds like you got tremendous traffic on that. And, you know, I think it's great because you don't see those guys really sit down and talk about the show very often and, and how it is ad-libbed. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, it, it's just, again, uh, one of my favorite TV shows. And it seems that there's a large cross-section between that show and also uh, fans of the NFL and sports fans who who I think would, would have enjoyed uh, seeing this and, and and you know uh, having it coincide with the debut of uh, season eight premiere of HBO of Kirby Enthusiasm it was sort of a perfect uh, pegging point and also uh, I was hoping at that point in time the lockout would be over by then but that wasn't the case um, and uh, you know it, it just worked out really well. So I watch the NFL Network and you all the time. Yeah, I also watch. That. Thank you. No, and I watch NBA TV and I'm watching NBA TV right now and they're in a lockout and. There's no video mention anything of current players. They've been pulled from NBA.com. Mm-hmm. Team websites have had to take those names down. What if the NFL had come to you and said, hey, we're doing the same thing at the beginning of this NFL lockout? Doesn't that make your job nearly impossible? Well, it makes it, it, makes it very difficult. I mean, one of the, the, the aspects of, of the lockout that, that um, you know, I couldn't be more uh, proud to say is how the NFL – uh, and the players have uh, have stayed the course in terms of relationship with the NFL Network. Uh, I mean, over the first seven years of the network, um, seven eight years of the network, you know, we're very proud of the relationship that we built with the players. That uh, our home has always been theirs, and uh, players have always come on to uh, promote whatever charity work they're doing or promote um, uh, some of their. Uh, aspects of their personality that that perhaps you don't get to see because they're behind a mask and whenever you see them on Sundays they're usually really ticked off about something because that's just the nature of the game and and also to perhaps uh, go ahead and and uh, cut their teeth on what they might want to do uh, in their second act and a lot of guys uh, choose uh, the media to do that and you know we've we've had an open an open door policy since the beginning and Mark Sanchez Jeff Saturday uh, Chris Cooley, Lamar Woodley, Maurice Jones-Drew, Heinz Ward, just to name some players, uh, came in, and and it was business as usual in that respect. And uh, the league never said anything, and neither did the players' association. And and um, you know, uh, it's been great. And and hopefully, in the next 48 hours, those two sides get together, and the marriage, uh, the, I guess, the second marriage is complete, and we can move forward. We're joined by Rich Eisen of the NFL Network. So let's assume the lockout does get settled in the very near future. What are the two to three biggest storylines heading into this NFL season, in your opinion? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I guess the, the biggest storyline will be how, how will the lack of an offseason affect the play that you see on the field? Um, will there be any injuries? Will there be any, uh, uh, I guess, degradation in the quality of play? And we'll, you know, we'll have to wait and see. And the question is, will around week three, week four, will we take a look at the numbers? Will we take a look at the time of game? Will we take a look at, uh, I guess, the number of penalties and 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 make conclusions that that is exactly the reason why we're seeing this uptick in um, 
in all those statistics I just mentioned. That's probably the macro one in terms of, um, in terms of, I guess, specifics in the next couple weeks. The question will be, well, what happens with Kevin Cobb, the quarterbacks, Cobb, McNabb, Vince Young, will Carson Palmer reemerge and try and make some sort of power play to get himself somewhere in time to start a season in a new home? And will the Bengals go along with something like that? So I guess that that, that would be a, a major, uh, a major uh, storyline. And another one to, to watch, I guess, will be the commissioner's reputation with the players. Has it been damaged irreparably? Will, will this be something uh, that's a problem moving forward? Um, and maybe vice versa. Uh, I mean, it's just how, how, how much will, will time heal some wounds? And that's another thing, I guess, to keep an eye on. You're around these players a lot, and obviously we all saw James Harrison's remarks about the commissioner and about some of his teammates. Do you get the sense that he spoke for many that didn't have the courage to speak, or was he kind of a, the lone ranger on that one? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, there's been a lot of uh, angry talk directed at, uh, at Roger Goodell throughout this entire process, and, you know, obviously labor disputes uh, will, will, will engender that sort of talk. Um, but what James Harrison said crossed the line. I mean, I don't think anybody can disagree with that. He, he even realized that himself as he had to put a statement out essentially backtracking it and his agents coming up with some sort of response that uh, he was only expressing feelings. <laughs> I don't know what that meant, but um, uh, so clearly he crossed the line. The question is, is, is how, how far across the line did he, did he go? Will the, will the Steelers feel compelled to take action if they do? Um, that would create a major storm, I think, uh, not only within its own locker room, but within the ranks of the Players Association, which has already come and said that they don't think that there should be any action taken. And also, if they do take action, that would mean he'd miss a game, I imagine. Uh, in week one against the Ravens, you'd think you'd want James Harrison on the field. So uh, he's, put, he's put his teammates, he's put himself, and he's put his team in a very difficult position. And, um, and when training camp does open in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, Everyone's going to go run to Ben Roethlisberger and ask how you are with James Harrison. Everyone's going to run to James Harrison and maybe run away from him, but uh, you know, and and ask questions. There'll be just lots of questions about that sort of thing. But once Week One begins, I think this will all just go under the rug, uh, and people will just always view him as somewhat of a uh, a loose cannon. At, the, at least, and, and a raving lunatic at most. It's interesting because the Roonies own the Steelers, and they're as conservative as any ownership group in the in the NFL, so you would think they'd have something to say about... Well, they also have a special bond with the commissioner. I mean, uh, of all the owners to knock on Roger's door and let him know that he was uh, voted the new commissioner of the NFL, it was Dan Rooney. You know, and obviously with Harrison uh, essentially playing the race card, mentioning how... Uh, White players aren't fined nearly as much as he has been, or white players don't get tagged for the hits that he's been tagged for. Um, you know, the four men who uh, have been uh, who, who decide whether or not a player is fined and for how much. Uh, besides the commissioner, the commissioner makes the final ruling, but the people who make these rulings and place it on the commissioner's desk—they're um, all African American. So institutionally, the way this process works. Um, there clearly is no racism inherent or, or blatant. And uh, should the commissioner go ahead and overrule these guys for whatever reason James Harrison thinks he might do so, uh, it's, 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 it would be against the guy who, who runs a team that uh, the commissioner respects immensely and also is the architect of the Rooney Rule that the commissioner is staunchly um, 
advocated. Right. So it's it's sort of a bizarre, twisted thinking. But he, again, he's very emotional. He's had a hundred grand taken out of his wallet. It's in the middle of a lockout that's lasting fifteen weeks, and um, it's 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 it, again all of this stuff is just going to be hopefully just another uh, signpost on what is the most unforgettable and hopefully forgettable off season in NFL history. It's been awful to to uh, live through for anybody who has something to do with the NFL. And hopefully it'll be over within the next 48 hours. Joined by Rich Eisen of the NFL Network. Follow him on Twitter, at Rich Eisen. Just a few minutes left. Is this a lost season for rookies? I look at someone like Cam Newton, and I wonder how in the world is this guy going to learn the playbook and the nuances of the NFL and get on a field this year? Well, you know, I've learned in now my eight years of being exposed to the NFL on the 24-7, 365 basis that you never say never. You just never say never. I mean, you could sit here and say rookies have not had the classroom time. They haven't had the reps. They haven't had the the one-on-one sessions with uh, you know coaches. Everybody tells me they can have a playbook, but it's like being handed a you know a French dictionary without a teacher to tell you what how it translates into English. And um, it's it that may be the case, but you just never know. Guy can get out there and things can break his way, and he can uh, really nail the learning curve and. Uh, I'm not just talking about Cam, but any rookie, and um, and just be a special player that's transcendent above all, uh, um, I guess, pitfalls that normally normally uh, catch rookies in a snag. So I, I will never say never when it comes to that. What do you think about Cam Newton as an NFL quarterback? We saw he was amazing at the collegiate level. That doesn't always translate to the NFL. How do you think he's going to turn out? Well, I have no idea. And that's, that's part of the reason why this rookie salary scale needed to be changed, because you cannot have a team that's in such a, of, of, a, of a rut that they go 2-14. and 14. You cannot have a team um, put so many eggs in one basket and have those eggs in the basket be worth so much money that it, it's injurious for the long-term standing of a team if this guy doesn't work out. That's, to me, one of the crucial aspects of the CBA that I'll be looking at, is what does this rookie scale look like? Because, you know, obviously it's crucial when a first overall pick comes into a league. It shouldn't, it shouldn't ruin a franchise for years to come if it doesn't work out. It, you know, I mean, from what I could tell, uh, if Cam Newton is a bust that the, 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 the team that, that signs him won't be too deep financially in the hole. And after year three, you can just say, hey, listen, after four years, you're gone, and then have him play out his fourth year and see if he can play himself into, into playing uh, considerable football for that team anymore. So I, I hope that that is exactly the way it's going to work out. And, um, and good luck to Cam Newton. It's the toughest position to, to analyze and evaluate and, and I, I hope things work out for him because the NFL will definitely be a better for it if he is the icon and superstar that he, he said he, he wants to be. No, I agree. Last question. You're based down in Los Angeles, and you know I used to live down there. I went to school at Loyola Marymount, and we've heard for years that NFL will one day return to Los Angeles. Do you think it's going to happen, and if so, how far away are we? Oh, I think it'll happen. Um, I think that there's there's too many smart um, and uh, well healed individuals who want to make it happen who live out here in Los Angeles. It makes sense for the NFL that uh, this whole lockout has been d- discussing about how to grow the pie and and then how to split it up. And the question about growing the pie, 
I mean, we're already hearing about how Thursday night football it's going to be expanded to be all 16 games, all 17 weeks of the season, not just the second half of the season on NFL Network, that there'll be another television package thrown out there. And I think another way to grow the revenue is to add, is to place, uh, um, is to build a spot in Los Angeles, whether it's downtown or out in, uh, out in uh, the city of industry that uh, another organization is talking about, and, and having a Super Bowl here every four years and a Pro Bowl here every year and having also uh, maybe uh, other NFL events out here and growing the pie and getting more money into the coffers, and I think that would really help with the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's the number two media market in the country, and I've always been surprised that it hasn't returned there sooner than it has, so you would think it makes sense to get it back there at some point. Rich, what's the best way for people to find your podcast online? Because it's oh, fantastic. Okay. Uh, you could go on iTunes, tap my name in, um, uh, Rich Eisen, and you know, pop up there on iTunes. You'll see there's just a, a whole host of uh, other um, uh, NFL-type, celebrity types. We've had uh, nine different uh, Super Bowl MVPs appear on the podcast already. It launched just last September. Other than Larry David, uh, Will Ferrell, Steven Soderbergh, Mark Wahlberg, Paul Rudd, John Hamm, uh, Charles Barkley, John McEnroe, John Legend. Just been a real different um, group of people who have appeared to talk football and also pop culture because these two things obviously intersect. And um, you go on iTunes, plug my name in, or my uh, blog page where you can find all sorts of behind-the-scenes pictures and also videos that don't make the television version of the podcast that airs every Thursday on NFL Network around 5 o'clock our time. Uh, you can find my blog at NFL.com slash Rich Eisen. Well, I'm not just saying this, but I'm a busy guy like anyone else, and I don't make time to listen to too many podcasts. I absolutely listen to yours every week, and it's fantastic. I really appreciate you saying that because there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes to pull that off with a lot of people who really work very hard at NFL Network because it's the first podcast that was created by the NFL for the NFL. and. And uh, I appreciate you saying saying that and, and uh, spread the word. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. And make it okay. I swear I'll behave. You wanted control. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. Michael Vick has another endorsement deal. You may remember a few weeks ago he re-signed with Nike. Now he has a deal to become an equity partner in Double Eagle Holdings, the parent company of Fuse Science, Inc., and they develop new patent-pending technologies poised to redefine how consumers receive energy, medicines, vitamins, and minerals. Griggs, you surprised that uh, Vic is 
kind of having this renaissance when it comes to being a endorser. Yeah, not at all. I actually, I think this was going to happen, and I think he showed last year he had a good season. He seemed to be, you know, focused uh, on his off-the-field things, and yeah, I, I think he's a likable guy. People like him. He's uh, marketable, and I, I, this doesn't surprise me at all. Another deal, tennis star Venus Williams is going to continue to use her tennis status, and she likes Jamba Juice, so she's opening up some Jamba Juices. She'll do some uh, endorse- endorsements for them, but she's also going to own some Jamba Juice locations. So, you know, I think those are the most authentic endorsements, Griggs, when you believe in a product, and she's putting her money where her mouth is because she's going to own a few different uh, locations of Jamba Juice. Yeah, it's always a good move when you endorse something you actually like. She probably enjoys, you know, drinking them too, and uh, I think they're it's a great product, and I think it'll match well with her. Last endorsement deal of the week, 2K Sports announced that NBA 2K12, Michael Jordan, who was on the cover last year, is going to be joined by Larry Bird and Magic Johnson this year. That's going old school, iconic players. I like it. Yeah, I think it's a cool idea, and I hope they have the uniforms the same in the game as the old days. <laughs> well, you know that uh, Jordan wore the baggy shorts, but Magic and Bird wore the, the short, short shorts. The short one, terrible. <laughs> so, but can you see, like, Bird and Magic, who are a little bit overweight these days, like, getting in, and uh, I wonder how they did the movements, and uh, I mean, yeah. I'm sure they're using the old school footage and not anything <laughs> from today to put in that game. Yeah, no new footage needed in that one. I'm sure they've got plenty of the old, uh, old tape on that. All right, a lot of thank yous on the show this week. Christine Brennan and Rich Eisen, our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com to have our show podcast downloaded to your iTunes every week. We'd love it if you post a review of our podcast on iTunes. Also, please fill out our survey at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're trying to find... More about who listens to our show and how you find us. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thank Thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com. And subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And stay connected to the business side of sports. Only with Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio.